Welcome to Breaking Down the Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. I'm Edie. And Mia. And we're so happy to have you here today listening and tuning in. Your support means the absolute world to us. And today we're joined by... Rachel. And she is going to join us in talking about failure, which is such an incredibly complex and integral topic, and we can't wait to dive in. Do you want to share a little bit more about Rachel and all of the amazing things that she does? Yes, ma'am. So I've I've had the pleasure of knowing Rachel a couple of decades. Oh, my God. You're right. I know. It's crazy. Many mutual friends and acquaintances. But um, in any case, I wanted you guys to know about Rachel's podcast, which is called Psychic Rehab. And it is phenomenal. It is so beautifully curated. It is out of this world and it's hilarious. So I just wanted to at least give that background a little bit. And then Rachel, I think it'd be helpful if you guys, if you give us a little background on where you're from and everything like that, and maybe some other projects you're working on. No, you, you don't get to know anything about me. This is all, uh, I'm cloaked in mystery. Uh, just kidding. Um, yeah, so Psychic Rehab started last year, and uh, it's been taking me forever to <laughs> finally start putting them out uh, because uh, I I wanted to do something that was kind of soundscapey and um, bringing in kind of different voices to sort of support uh, like my thesis for each episode and and also just for the series, which is really about um, just kind of like the the, the different ways that um, people out there are finding um, sources of coping and mental health um, or ways of, of being mentally healthy. Um, and, you know, obviously there's therapy, you guys are therapists, and there's, there's medication and there's, you know, meditation and things like that that I think are explored pretty often. Um, and then, but my, my thing was like, Hey, I have a diagnosis. I have bipolar too, but there's a lot of people there out there that don't necessarily have a have a diagnosis or are just feeling kind of funky or depressed or or and can learn from each other and we can all kind of you know, my my thing is like I feel like we can all use some psychic rehab, like a little bit of like a rehabilitation for our psyches, right? Um so that was the goal. Um and then I um I'm kind of figuring it out, the rest of it, you know, I'm just like realizing how much personal narrative is important to me. I was actually just asked to lead a workshop for this women's conference in in North County um, about storytelling. So um, for kids and seniors. So I'm on that's next Saturday. Oh my God, that's so, amazing. Yeah. I felt really, I was like, are you sure I'm qualified for that? And the woman's like, yes, I love your podcast. You're obviously good at storytelling. Like, that'd be great. So that's kind of cool to get some like validation from that. Um but yeah, I used to be a producer in New York. Uh, I did um, a couple feature films. I worked on a documentary that actually went to the Cannes Film Festival about the Chelsea Hotel. That was super intense to work on. Um, and I ended up working in reality television for a couple years. Uh, and I liked it, but I, I felt like I was working really hard to tell other people's stories. And I felt like... Um, I was sort of, when it came to reality TV, it was a great job. It paid well. I got to travel. There was all these perks, but the hours were insanely long. It would get really stressful. And then at the end of the day, I felt like I was almost making like the fast food of like media, you know, it was just like, people are just kind of consuming this stuff and I don't know how much takeaway they're really getting. And it, it really wasn't personal uh, it, to me, you know, it was just kind of like, 
here's all this work I just put in. Okay, now it's over and it's out there and that's it. So, you know, it was kind of like a lot of different things happened that led to me, you know, just kind of straying away from that life. Um, and, but it's been difficult. It's been difficult to kind of like redirect. Um, but it, it also is really nice to finally be working really hard on something that is truly like my own um, and that is my own voice and my own story and all that good stuff. So that's that's where I'm at. That's so neat. I didn't know that you worked in reality TV. That's like my favorite form of self-care. Oh, nice. So yeah. I do get something from it. Oh, good. Just as a yeah. little feedback. Yeah, I didn't mean to trash talk it oh, no. quite so much because you're right. <laughs> and actually, I was even on a podcast a, a while back about like kind of like in defense of reality TV. It was these two NPR producers that that were like obsessed with reality. And and there was a couple shows that I mentioned that I like really loved too. So I, I agree. Like, and the first show I worked on actually was really, really fun to work on. And I think that there was takeaway because it, it was a wedding show, but it, and it was a competition show, which sounds terrible, but these women like all really loved each other and like kind of went to each other's weddings and really support each other. And a lot of them are still friends now and I'm friends with them on social media. So there, so I was kind of downplaying it. There definitely was like, and is a lot of value to that work. Yeah. Sure. But I think the way that I can kind of relate to that in like, it can be valuable work. It can be needed work. It can be all of those things, but it just might not be the right fit. Right. And so like, I know for me and I, right, like working in the treatment centers, it's incredible learning experience. It does all of these things, but I know I won't speak for you, but I know for me personally, it's just not the right fit for my personality, for the way that I like to use my clinical skills and all of that. But that doesn't mean that people who work there are bad or wrong or anything like that. So I think that there's something to just really honoring your voice. And that's really scary. And thoughts and all of those things. Mm. Scary is the perfect word. I like woke up this morning, like, <clears throat> like, you know, like a, I call it the vampire, uh, r rising, the mm -hmm. vampire rising only it's more actual daylight. So it's not the you're same, like but gasping. Yeah. Where you're like sleeping and you're just like, you just like rise up, like almost like if your arms are on a cross, you know, crossed over your chest, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, like, there's no like, Oh, I'm kind of awake now. It's like, <clears throat> You know, and I was just like, oh, God, like I just put out another episode. Do people like it? I remember I was like checking social media like crazy yesterday and last night. Like how many people like it? How many are people sharing it or people comment? And it's like and then I was super neurotic about the one of the guests that I had. Like I really thought she was going to really love it and post about it and everything. And she wasn't and she hadn't like responded to my messages about it. And I just like got really in my head about it. Um so yeah, it's scary. <laughs> the word I don't want to elaborate on too much more, and I'm I'm feeling a lot better, especially hearing you say such nice things about it. But you know, and there's the other thing too, where everything's like a work in progress, which is like becoming my mantra. Um, and I'm realizing that the episodes that I'm doing now, because uh, I finished this one a long time ago, the one that just came out, and. I think that the they get better each time I do them because I'm getting experience. I've never done this before. But so it's kind of weird, though, to be like, oh, the one I just did is so good. And now here's the one that I kind of started with. And it's a little it's not it's not as good It's messy a little bit or less, some of the audio levels were weird or like I felt like some of the cuts could have been tighter. I'm just like so critical of it, even though probably most people are listening, just going along with the, you know, my voice and the ride and probably aren't noticing those things. Like for me, I'm just like, you know, so critical. Totally. So, I mean, I can relate to that personally doing this podcast thing. Our first season was super cool and fun and kind of off the cuff, but we were recording off of my cell phone and the sound <laughs> quality was 
horrific. And now I listen back, I'm like, it's so embarrassing that I put that out into the world. But the feedback that we've both gotten, Mia and I, is like the content was what was important. And like, yeah, the sound quality doesn't sound amazing, but the actual thoughts and the people that we got to speak to were what mattered. So definitely. And it's and that's what's so cool, too, about like anything creative it, it can be really scary to kind of reveal something very personal about yourself or something that is very important to you, to the world. But it's so much better just to do it, even if it's not perfect. If it isn't important to get your message out, like just do, just not to use the horrible Nike slogan, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I just use that in the podcast you guys are on about replacing just do it with just try it. Yeah, I love it's that. so much more gentle, you know, just yeah. try it. I'm so excited that you had us on. I know. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that one too. And I started, I was telling you, I started to listen to your episode, but I was getting on a plane and it didn't download fully. Okay. So I got like a teaser of like the first five minutes and I was like, oh, her editing is like five star. <laughs> I was like, I think that like, we're really cool because we have someone who's now editing. Thank you, Andrew. Shout out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you have like the transitions and the different types Legit. of sound. It's real cool. So everyone oh, go listen to it. It's well, amazing. I am working. I mean, to my, to, to my own credit, I am working with like, or not my own credit, our credit. It, but I'm working with a really cool production company that's like it's a guy that's like made two short films that have gone to Cannes and he's like really professional and like has all the gear and so that's been really cool actually that's been really fun because he's like such a good producer and like I tried to cr crap out like speaking of failure I like was convincing myself like oh like I'm such a failure the last one didn't come came out in November like why even continue I just was getting so self-sabotaging and just like wanting to give up so many times and like he was like no I believe in this like just come over here like it doesn't matter if the writing's not done we'll figure it out and there was a couple of times when I was really blocked and I was like I don't know how to do this and he's like just let's just go over what you have so far and we would and then he would kind of like give me the feedback I needed to like bring it together and that's been like so great like I've never had anyone like believe in me in that way like ever like, so it's, I'm almost going to start crying. I'm just like, it really is. It's like, wow, like this person who has so much going on and is like, you know, really pretty successful and like starting his own company and all this stuff. And he's like the head of the company is so much going on. And he literally like stops everything and does my podcast with me and has been like, kind of like, you know, it's really great. And, and he, he even told me the other day, he's like, because they do a lot of podcasts that are like talk, like conversation based, which I think are awesome. And they're great podcasts. But this is the only one he's doing that involves all that editing, as you mentioned, is like crafting kind of like weaving a story. And um, he, he told me he's like, your podcast is the reason like I want to do podcasts. And I was like, Oh, oh wow. like, it just made me just melt. I'm like, Oh, now I have so much more reason to keep going. Like, not only do I believe in the project, but I have someone else who believes in it too. And so that's really, really fun and cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that it's so, it's so undervalued, like what one person's support can do for a person. Like, I think in our society, we have this idea that we need like entire society's approval for our message or our belief or whatever it is. But if we just have that one cheerleader, that's truly genuinely cheerleading us and not like weirdly and shadily cheerleading us yeah. it really can make such a difference in our ability to produce creative ventures because it is really vulnerable and scary to do something like this and yeah. I love to hear that you have that because you deserve it oh thanks 
It is funny that I'm chuckling a little bit. I'm totally agreeing with what you're saying, but I'm also remembering there's a montage online of like Lady Gaga. Yeah. Did you see oh, it? Yeah. She's like, yes. you could be in a room and not, what? anybody believes in you, one person. Like she's just, she has that story. That was her like red carpet story. Yeah. But it's true. You're right. It is really relevant. It's like, it's true. You could just be like so overwhelmed and it's so, I mean, and that really ties back into, I think what, you know, I was interested in talking about with you guys is the notion of like just failure and this feeling of failure. And like, it's so easy when you're just on your own to get in your head and just be like, oh, and just, I I don't know, I'm particularly hard on myself, but I feel like there's a lot of people that are hard on themselves too. And, and, you know, as I've been doing this research and stuff, I'm realizing, you know, not to just throw my mom under the bus, but like, there was a lot of criticism that came from, from the way I was raised and a lot of like instability and stuff. So I know like a lot of it has to do with that. Um, but it's weird to have like been in therapy so long and have all these tools and like know how to like, you know, supposedly know how to like quiet that inner critic and all those things. And it, it just still like, it's such a process to get to a place where you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. And don't, don't worry. Failure is part of the process. It's cool. It just can feel so painful, those risks. And then when they don't work out or when you, when you aren't getting the validation, it's just like, oh man, like, why did I do that? You know? Yeah. A thousand percent. Is there, I mean, I love this idea of like, overcoming the idea of failure. I kind of hate that word, but I also, it's like, I don't know, I feel two ways about it. I hate the word because I think it's a really like violent word, but mm, I also Yeah, it think, is. You're right. I didn't think about that. It really is. I also think that we, in or, you have to fail in order to learn, in order to like actually get to the place that you want to. Because imagine if like everything was just like this paved shiny path. And if you got a product that you liked, like how would you even have anything to compare it to, right? In the right. creative venture. So I think that it's just... I mean, it's really tough when things don't go your way or when there is this idea of like, I, this, I totally like not, this is not a great expression, but it's coming to mind like shit the bucket or shit the bed. Is that a shit the yeah, bed? Yeah, that's my bucket. favorite. <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. I forget about that one. Right? That's good. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, that's awful. It's not pleasant, but it also gives you space and the option to improve or to change or to try something new. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was working in reality TV and I was traveling all the time and, and I and I would travel to different cities and like pick up vehicles to use for production as my way to get to the hotel and everything. And it would feel really cool, you know, especially like I lived in New York for 11 years, so I didn't really have a car. So I didn't have a car for like 14 years, actually. Even when I lived here, I lived in Hillcrest and I took the shuttle to school. So I was car free for a long time. Then I lived in San Francisco blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I would, I'd be, you know, I loved public transportation. I loved New York, but I kind of missed that sort of like rugged individualist feeling of just like getting in a car and driving around, you know? And so I remember this time I picked up the minivan after flying in and I'm like going over this bridge into downtown Miami and like the sun is streaming in and the clouds. And I'll never forget, I was listening to Rihanna. I was on the radio and it was that song that's like, I want you to stay. You know, and it was like tearing up a little bit. And I had this weird vision of my life and it was so different than the life I had at the time. And I, I envisioned being in a beach community, being involved in like local politics and the arts, having a backyard, having a dog, um, just this whole existence that was so different than everything I had in New York. And I was just like, tears were just streaming down my face. 
partially because I just didn't have any of those things, but also because I was like, wow, this is like a totally radical shift. If I want those things, like there's so much I'm going to have to sort of give up. And then like all these things ended up unfolding, you know, like I, my relationship ended or failed, if you want to call it that a nine year relationship with my creative partner, we were like best friends. It was so painful. Um, so that ended and then, um, you know, like a couple years went by of me being on my own, but I was constantly traveling. I wasn't, I didn't have roots anywhere. And I just really, I had a lot of fun, but I just didn't feel like grounded at all. And then, you know, my, my father passed away suddenly, um, my apartment lit on fire and, and my, um, I lost my job within three weeks. Those three things happened and I was like traumatized. Right. And so I was just like, I got to And it was like winter in New York. It was like beginning of winter. And I was like, I can't be like homeless, jobless and mourning my dad in frozen New York City. Like this is just too much. So I came back to San Diego um, and I remember like really feeling like a failure. And it was hard for a long time because I was just like, oh man, like that city just like murdered me. And now... Uh, I have to sort of rebuild and, and, and I just like, I couldn't get a job for a long time. And it was really, really rough. And like what, you know, when a lot of people don't realize either is like, yes, I have family here and, and older friendships and stuff. But when you're like traumatized and you're really hurting and really down, it's so hard to like connect with people really, you know, like, so my, my family, yeah. And my family just didn't get it. And I just had so much angst. I just wanted to like go out and drink or just be crazy. I just had crazy energy, you know? So there was times when I like slept in my car, um, rather than go back to my grandmother's house where I was staying. There was times when, you know, I was fighting with that side of my family because they thought I was like taking advantage of my grandmother and I felt horrible. So I was like, fine, I'm just going to go live somewhere else. And I ended up living like on my friend's floor in a studio apartment on like a, on like a mattress pad, we put a bookcase up. We called it my Harry Potter nook. <laughs> I was, and I remember turning like, I think it was like my 38th birthday and like everyone was sort of busy and no one could really hang out. And I remember like get it, getting a couple drinks, going back to her house and just pi- like curling up on this, on the mattress on the floor, which like her dog would always land. So I laughed and be like, I live in a dog bed. And I just like cried so bad in like the fetal position. I was just like, how did my life get this way? You know, and then I just went like, please, like, I, I know we can get better. And I just, I stayed sort of steadfast in that belief and things have gotten much better. I mean, clearly like I'm, I'm doing way better, but yeah, I felt really bad for a while. I was like, oh, everything is just dust, you know, that I had built basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that vision I had back in Miami, yeah, it's so kind of weird to like, when I, whenever that's I feel your life now, isn't no, it? I know. And whenever I feel kind of bummed out or like dissatisfied, I stop and I go like, I like open my door and I'm like, oh, there's my yard. I have an orange tree. I have a freaking hummingbird nest outside my window and she's so cute. She's just always there. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see the babies, you know, and I've got this adorable dog and I've like been learning to surf and I have like all these artist friends here and people doing activism on the border that I'm like obsessed with. And, you know, there's like. I go to L.A. a lot. too. It's easy to go to L.A. There's a lot going on there. So, you know, things are. Things could be different in my mind than they always could. But like, yeah, I'm a lot more in line with what I had envisioned when 
things were about when shit was about to hit the fan. Yes, another expression another I like. Another good one. Yeah, yeah. So coming back to slow death is what we used to call San Diego. It was not so bad, huh? I call it bland Diego. That's been my favorite term for it. I'm just Don't like, you say like a snornado too? There's so many. Oh, that. oh I call Coronado Boronado because it bores me to death. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. I know. I, I, I have also called this city the beigest place on earth. Yeah. Which I now realize is actually Tucson, Arizona, but... I was just in Arizona and I was just saying, when we were doing test recordings, I was like, I don't know what to talk about. I was like, I was just in Arizona and it is beautiful and I could never live there. Right. There's nothing going on. No, no. I mean, that's such a generalized statement. I apologize to anyone in Arizona. I think there's more going on than there was. And then you realize, like, I just drove cross country last summer and I realized, like, oh, flags, like, between Flagstaff or Sedona, that area, which is not far from, like, Phoenix and stuff is like insanely gorgeous. It goes from like desert to like this mesa to like serious foresty cliff, like winding roads with giant pine trees and ri a river. And then you're in Flagstaff, which is at the base of the Grand Canyon. Like that's an incredible region. But yeah, like the city of like Tucson and Phoenix is feels very, it's just very beige. You're like, wow. And a lot of freeways. Yeah. It's like LA with like no choice to go to the ocean. You're yeah. Like, oh God, no. I, lots Why? of mega churches. Oh yeah. Which is cool. You know, whatever <laughs> you're into. But I actually like going there, I came back and I had so much more gratitude for being in San Diego. Mm, good. Um, which Mia knows and I think you guys know too, because I've talked about it all the time. Like I had a really, really tough time in my transition in here too from New York. Um, and I couldn't work for the first nine months I was here because my license didn't transfer. Mm. So I had no friends, no job, no family. Oh, and I wish was, I had known you. I know. We could have held each other. Yeah, we could have cried in the fetal <laughs> position together. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but now it's like you have to kind of have faith in the fact that things will get better, but you have to put the work in to get there. Definitely. And that's, that's a great point because um, – I, something I realized about myself is if I let myself, I can stagnate so easily. Like I, when I'm down, I'm just like, cool, I'm going to sleep like forever. Like I could just sleep or just not do things, like not do things to help myself and just get into this weird headspace where it's just like, I just want to escape. And that isn't the answer at all, I realized, you know. And one of the things that helped me climb out of my depression at that point was um, – I helped work on my friend's music video, Melissa Lafera. Yeah, which one? The Wild Honey one that's oh, like shot in awesome. Balboa Park. And we just shot it on cell phones and stuff and through like this like um, like a kaleidoscope lens and stuff. It was very cheesy, but it was Rad. so fun. And like just helping with that boosted my self-esteem. And then on top of it, her bandmate was like, oh, we need a waitress at, uh, at Shakespeare at the pub. And I was like, oh, I don't want a waitress again. But it was like boot camp for like um, for like life challenges there because like all these women are just like these salty English and Irish women that are just like no nonsense whatsoever. We always think of like English folks as being like, oh, you know, hello, or like Irish women, top of the morning, you know, all these stereotypes. These women were salty as hell. There's one woman that she's like, oh, the table for her, just a bunch of idiots, like, oh, fuck them. She's always asking about the soup of the day. Who orders fucking soup at this fucking place? It's fish and chips and beer. <laughs> You're going to have to do a warning at the beginning of this yes. for the cursing. Yeah. Andrew. But you know what I mean? And I would just be like, oh, my God, they're amazing. And they would just be, it would get busy and be like, don't whine, shut up. You know, like put it, which normally like all that invalid, like would seem really terrible for someone like me because I'm so sensitive. But there was also a lot of love, too. So there'd be like, let's get through the shit together. And then afterwards, like, oh, let's have a pint and just like 
you know, or smoke a cigarette or something, all these bad behaviors, but they were so lovely at the time. I just needed, I needed like these scrappy people in my life that are just like, you can do it. Come on. They were there for you. Yeah. And then I was able to actually get like a quote unquote, like real job after that, you know, at this radio station and stuff. And, and, uh, and that had its own challenges too, but it was like, I need, it gave me the stability that I needed to kind of get to a, a better place. Totally. Yeah. Mia, what about what about you? My Ines? failures? Yeah. yeah. Tell us all about your, your well, deepest, I, darkest I failures. I would be glad to tell you guys that um, <laughs> from the age of, I believe, 17 to about 21, I failed out of college every single year, every single year up until that point. And then I decided to move to San Francisco and Rachel was around back then, um, like 2002. And then for some reason... I was able to like not fail. It was really interesting. And I, I'm just telling you guys that that followed me forever, even though I don't even think college is like that important. Or I mean, if you, ha I had to do it because I wanted to be a therapist, but like, mm, I'm, I'm always impressed by people that don't go and then like make their life what it is. But um, that's followed me for so long. And then finally I realized, oh, it would have been weird to be like a 23 year old therapist. So I'm actually kind of glad that I, failed over and over so that I could have, you know, some like stories under my belt and some wisdom perhaps, and then, you know, get through that piece. But I mean, there's a million things. My marriage ended last year. That feels like a huge failure. And I remember doing some self-inquiry not that long ago. Self-inquiry is probably not something I'll go into today. Um, Wait, but, can you just tell me what that is? Oh, you gosh. Or just scratch the surface of it? That sounds rad. Oh, it's um, it's it's a practice in Radically Open DBT that's based off of Malamata Sufism, where basically you're trying to get yourself as close to your edge as possible and sit with it for about five minutes a day and ask yourself questions to keep yourself close to the edge. So that eventually, I think the idea is to desensitize yourself um, to the point where that edge no longer bothers you. But it's also about getting away from trying to find solutions all the time and answers to things and actually sit in the discomfort I and the unknown. So hopefully awesome. that was clear. Yeah, that was a great Suffering. Thank you. Um, so you were doing the self-inquiry. Oh, yeah. Just about like ending my marriage last year. And I remember looking at some of the questions of like, am I concerned that my parents will see me as a failure? So it's very relevant to me what you guys are talking about, like that it doesn't have to be necessarily like a career, um, you know, situation. It could be very much a relationship thing or oh, yeah. whatever. But I mean, God, failure is like my middle name. It was my core belief for like my whole life, pretty much. I'm hoping that I'm kind of pulling out of it now just because I, I don't know. It's like not super helpful to dwell on that all the time. But, um, so that's, I, I would say those are some of the things that come up for me when you talk about this and it feels good to actually bring it up. So thank you for yeah. letting me, I don't know. And it make, you know what it is too, for me, when I hear other people talk about their senses of failure, I'm not like, yes, you failed. Woohoo! Like, no, but it is nice to know that like we all go through life transitions. Right. And, uh, and, problems arise and we do our best to solve them. And sometimes they're not solvable. And sometimes we just have to redirect, right? I feel like that, if we were to omit the word failure, like that describes to me what failure actually is without the the the, the darkness of that word brings about, right? Redirecting, adaptability, you know, like if you're in a sailboat and there's a squall coming, you're not going to head right into it necessarily. Or if you can't avoid it, you'll, you'll, batten down the hatches and get through it, right? But 
we'll do the best we can to navigate, you know, what comes our way. And and sometimes there's things that are just really out of our control. And there's sometimes there's things that are in our control and don't go as we planned. And, you know, that I think is some of the hardest work that I've done with myself is just like, okay, what can I actually do about this today? Or what? how can I actually put this on hold? Because the, the feelings are so intense. How can I put it on hold for a little while and kind of gradually work through it while I, you know, uh, build mastery or some of the DBT skills? Like, how can I, like, improve the moment, right? Or strengthen some relationships through through empathy, through the dear man. Like, all those skills, yeah, they just love it. They I come back it. up. I know. I love DBT so much. I'm actually thinking about going to school oh so God. I can be a DBT therapist oh because I'm God. like, I think it's the most valuable, one of the most valuable Things. And mindfulness, obviously, right, is just, like, huge. Just going, like, oh, wow. Instead of just believing the thoughts, like, you're a failure. Why don't – you know, one of the ones that happens to me all the time is, you're 41. How did you get here? How do you not have a family? How do you not have kids? Like, I'll see people's updates, like, oh, you know, little Sally just turned four. Like, they're just having, like, the time of their lives, Wah! you know, swinging her around and everyone's so happy, you know. And, of course, like, that's just what people are presenting. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. But for me, I'm just like, I every, you know, every month rolls around. I have a drawing that I love to do that's called the angry uterus and the and the the ovaries look like eyes. And she's just like, ah, and the whole joke is like, where's my fucking baby? <laughs> you know? And it's true, like every month I'm just like, oh why? You know, and it's so easy to go there. And then I go, oh wait. And I pause and I watch the thoughts and I say, you know, I am a bit, I am a bit sad that, you know, things haven't worked out where I'm, I have a kid at this point. And what can I actually do about it right now? Or what I can't go back in the past. I can only try to make myself the kind of person that if a child was to come in my life would be a good parent, you know? And then, and then I try to almost be that parent to myself, like to the oh kid God. in me that's like, you know, because when I used to cry when I was a kid, I, I, and this is something else I realized with parents and children or friendships even or relationships, discomfort and pain in others makes people really upset too. They want to fix it for you. Like they just want to be like, oh, well, this is what you should do just so you stop being sad. I think that's just such an instinctual thing for so many people, probably because of the way they were raised or comes some kind of cycle. And, and that's definitely how I was raised. I was definitely with like, you know, I was raised in an invalidating environment. environment, which is why the, you know, why I ended up doing a DBT. If you're hungry, what do you mean you're hungry? We just ate an hour ago. Instead of saying like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. We're, we're going to, you know, we can't get food right now because we're doing this. But in an hour, we're going to be at Der Schnitzel or whatever. You know, like, I don't know, like an explanation, like setting up expectations, validating, right? I was definitely raised with like, just just go along with it. Just be quiet. And if you were upset, it's like you were being a brat or you were throwing a fit or whatever, right? And so I've internalized that and I do that to myself. When I'm sad now, I go, why are you sad? What's wrong with you? You know, and that voice comes back and I'm like, God, that's so harsh. And if I were to have a child, I would never treat that child that way, right? And so I try to be like a better parent to myself, be the kind of person that would be a good parent, and then be that way towards, you know, my friends as much as I can be is, you know, if they trigger me, it's hard. But yeah, you know. Yeah. That was long. But you know no, what I'm saying. But I think that, that you, there's so much in there. And like, I'm sure for me too, like as a therapist, like hearing how 
eloquently and like applied, you're putting all of these theories and ideas that like, I know I sit in the room with people all the time trying to help them get to this point to be like, just because it's thought doesn't make it fact. Like you don't have to jump in the car with the thought and drive 90 down the highway with it just because it's there. And to hear you like utilize it and find so much power in it is like validating for me. Cause I'm like, sometimes it's like, you know, it feels impossible even personally you know, to not internalize all of these ideas of shoulds and woulds and, mm. you know, getting the comparison hangovers. So I think that, you know, it makes me smile to hear someone be able to use this stuff because I really believe in it. I know you only, do too. Yeah. And just like with the DBT, you know, just what you're talking about, there's so much, I think, beauty and pain, but like learning that from the meaning making aspect of the improved skill and like actually... I don't know. I guess the easiest way to say it is making lemonade out of lemons. Like you, Rachel, would not be able to probably do this podcast or even, you know, eventually be an effective therapist. I think if you didn't go through so much in the past, rather than somebody who's just kind of coasted through life. And I don't know. I mean, do I necessarily want to be around somebody that's just kind of done that? Probably not, because I don't feel like I'm going to have any vulnerability there and um, with them. And so to be able to have somebody that can actually talk about the things and the hardships, I think is going to make a world of difference. Yeah. And it's been interesting too, to, to, you know, going back to this idea of failure, there's also this weird thing that happens when you do sort of learn these skills and then you, you have crisis crises happen and you're like, why didn't I just do that? I already knew that. Like I've already processed this before. Like I thought I was better than this, you know? And to just like come back to that place where you're like, it's okay that it doesn't always work. It's okay because it's like a muscle. You're strengthening. It's just like, you know, when we spoke last for 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 listeners, I have a podcast, as we mentioned, but I have an episode coming out um, with Edie and Mia where we're talking about, you know, fitness and diet culture and workout culture and, um, and the pressures we put on ourselves. And um, going back to this notion for me, like there's days when I want to move my body and I know it's right. And then I get swept up in other things. And what am I going to do? Like beat myself up about it. That doesn't make it better. Or there's days when I do go to a class or go to the gym or something, or even go for a walk. And I'm just like, it's not really helping me or giving me the results I thought. And I'm, it's okay. You know, there's so many times where we can try things or we do learn new things and they don't always snap into place when you need them. It's messy. Things are really messy in life. It's not easy for anyone, I don't think. And anyone that says it is, is just delusional. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or very good at dissociation or avoidance or all of the skills that come up when we're not ready or willing to let ourselves be messy, which, you know, we're going to have someone on soon to talk about perfectionism. And I think that that's, I mean, I think it's a disease that's rampant in our culture. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Dude, man, you really... (laughs) I just really appreciate everything you've said. Like it it resonated so much with me. So I I have no doubt that the people listening will also feel the same way. This is. Yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability. It's not easy. And you're really good at storytelling. I'm just like an open wound, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Come stabby. (laughs) Come make it worse. I'm just kidding. No, no, it's true. But there is so much strength in vulnerability. I'm starting to realize that more and more. Um, But then again, there's people that I know that like, are just I've had to let go of some friendships or or reshape friendships because some people just it makes them so uncomfortable, you know? Um just 
talking about mental health or it, seeing me upset. I, I remember I have a I had a friend in New York and I had just started on some medication and I mixed one of them was clonopin. It was uh, you know the anti anxiety medicine. And I had been mixing it with booze, which you're really not supposed to do. And, and there was a night where I got really dark and I started saying things about maybe hurting myself. And, you know, I was just kind of spiraling that day and she was around and she like broke off the friendship with me. She was like, I can't have that kind of energy in my life. And it was like devastating to me. And, and now this, she's, I found out she's like in LA and she's like in the arts still. And she's like done stuff with people I know and friends. And so she comes up and it's still her. It's still like, oof you know? And I had another friendship that dissolved recently. And I, everything I did to try to make amends or solve it or figure out what I did wrong or anything like that, just kind of like, it almost made me like obsessed with it. Like I wanted to fix it so bad that like everything I did just kind of validated in that person's mind that I'm like crazy. <laughs> and that is the worst. Like now I just think, oh, she's probably telling everyone that I'm crazy or People are talking about, it's just so much to deal with sometimes when you like have mental health issues and you're doing everything you can to live a good life. And there's still, you can't control it. You can't control what other people think of you. You can't control, you know, um, like I get angry sometimes and I have outbursts and it's just part of my condition and it's what I work so hard to navigate and it still happens. And some people are just not going to be cool with it. They're not going to forgive you or not want to be in your life. And it's like, brutal for me it's I take it so hard I was just I was just doing like yoga and breathing this morning and it was like the most predominant thought was this was this woman that just like recently really rejected me completely and I and I and then took another friend with her and it's been like oh it just like br breaks my heart almost more than like a dating situation not working out because you're like ah, oh, friends are supposed to be there you know but the truth is that yeah like I, I have to be honest and, and, and vulnerable. That's part of my process. It's how I'm, I'm moving through this world effectively. That's how I'm, I'm getting stronger. And some people are not going to be down for that ride. And I'm just, just having to realize that and let it go. I'm just like, okay, this is it. This is all I can do. I can only be myself and some, it's not going to work out all the time with everybody. Right. And I think kind of like the not counter to that, that's not the right word, but the other, I don't know, piece in that is that like when people like put that boundary up and it really hurts, it does, right? It sucks when people can't kind of like hang with you or see something in you that's bad for them. But then it's like, if we kind of take ourselves out of that and it's like, if they can't, you know, be there through like the really messy, dark stuff, then like maybe that's not the type of friendship it was meant to be. And like, they might have their own stuff that this is triggering, right? Like sure. I know for me, like I've had to, reestablish friendships. And it's really hard because I'm like such a, I definitely have like a tendency of codependence in my friendships. And like, I started to realize how much like sadness that was bringing in resentment and I had to back off. And then people freaked out because like, wait, you're always there. You're always willing to drive. You're always doing that. Mm. And so I can see it from like my side of this and I'm not comparing our situations at all, but no, just like, right. that like, I had to do that to protect my myself. And it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. And my friends got real mad and upset because it was totally shifting the dynamic. Um, but I think oh. there's ways to do it gently and nicely and not. Yeah. But then I, but I did that. I tried to go like, oh, but then I, I think the side of me that wanted to control it so badly, like, or just control, like at least like the closure element of it. 
like even if I, I try, I accepted the fact that this boundary went up and that the friendship wasn't what I thought it was. But like, I wanted to somehow still preserve the sense of peace. And I just, she was not giving me that at all. And I was just like, Gah! like, and it made me insane. And it's still bothering me, but I have to let it go because there's not like nothing I can do yeah. at this point. Like I've even envisioned like, oh, I should write her like a handwritten letter. Maybe that'll do it. But it's like, now, now it's just the point where it's like the more I try to do, it just looks like I'm like a stalker or something. It's like <laughs> not cool. I'm like, all right, I'm just done. And, and there's people that just, again, like, yeah, they're protecting themselves or I'm triggering them or all these other things. And it's so tough because it's like this unknown and you just want to know like, well, wh why? Why don't you like me? What about me? Don't you like? Right. But like no one wants to tell you that either because it's like, oh, that's just going to make it worse. So there's got to be this element of like unknown in the world. And I think that's where the failure thing comes in too. It's like you try to form connections with people and sometimes they're really successful and vital and just transformative. And sometimes they're just like, hey, maybe we'll get coffee sometime. Like, you know, and you become friends on Instagram or something. Other times, and this happens to me with strangers too. I'll like say hi to someone or something or make an eye contact and someone just looks away and I'm just like, what the hell, you know? But you're like, that's their journey, <laughs> whatever, you yeah. know? Like you, you got upset about every time that happened, you'd have nothing left, you know? Totally. So just kind of like rolling with those punches, I think is is something I'm really trying to practice now. I hear you. Reminds me of the radical acceptance of like the more we push against something that we can't change the more we suffer. So it sounds like you're going to do your best to radically accept that she's not coming back and then you will suffer less because of it. Yes, that's it. Totally. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your vulnerability with us and Mia, for you too, sharing yeah. some of your vulnerabilities and failures. <laughs> it was time. Yeah. <laughs> thank um, you, Rachel. I know it's not easy, but I know our audience really appreciates it. Um, I, you know, the feedback that I've gotten, I know you've gotten it too, Mia, is just that it's like, we're very, it, it is off the cuff. And that's what we always want to maintain. Like, I don't want to come in with like pages of notes and have a structure because that's not how I it's roll. It's not our show. Um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with people who do that. But I think that because we have kind of this raw um, subject matter and we have guests that come on that are willing, which we're so thankful for, to share these things that aren't just you know, this is the definition of blah, blah, blah. Like we could have talked here and we could have had a very surface level conversation about failure, which would have been safer. But I really appreciate both of you showing up and thank you, sharing and thank going you into it because I think it's way more impactful. One really short thing. I actually had to reschedule therapy because <laughs> I, well, she, well, no, we rescheduled before. We rescheduled it for Friday. And then I, I mean, I remembered, but I, I just kind of, you know, I get disorgan disorganized sometimes. And so I looked at the thing and I was like, and so I sh I'm going on Tuesday, but it was just funny because I'm like, oh, it's almost like I'm going to, you know, like, yeah. like, it's like I'm going to go talk to two therapists. So totally. like, and I told her about that. And she's like, oh, cool. You know, yeah. we've been texting and stuff. So Aww, it's all good. Yeah, you. I love my therapist. She's awesome. Yeah, That's actually, I am going to come up with like a whole, I think, social media campaign, hashtag I love my therapist mm. to kind of help break down the stigma around therapy and the fact that like therapists are great and I'm a therapist and I have a therapist that I love so much. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be cool. So I'll let you know when I go off in oh, that yeah, path, but I think sure. it's so awesome when you have a good therapist. Mm -hmm. I know it sucks sometimes that I can't like say who it is either because of the confidentiality. Like she was on my podcast, but I changed her name. Yeah. So yeah, but, but you're right. I like the hashtag for sure. I'm, I'm down with that. 
So don't, guys, don't forget Rachel's podcast is yes. called Psychic Rehab. Yes, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or um, through our website, strawhutmedia.com, um, any, or anywhere you get your podcast for the most part. I think we've covered a lot of our bases trying to get it out there. Yeah. So. And I do have an Instagram, too, where I've been trying to post more like memes and positive things and just kind of some vulnerable things I'm going through as well. Um, and that's uh, it's Psychic Rehab Pod. That's on Instagram. So. Awesome. Thank you. So people can find you there. Yeah. Um, and you can find us at on Instagram at Breaking Down the Podcast, at Evie Stark Therapy, and at Mia Swag with three Gs. Um, we always love to hear from you guys. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.